0: Good afternoon, and welcome to Inside the Huddle. It's our post-game show for Indiana's victory over Western Kentucky. Uh, the Hoosiers pulled out a close one again, 38-35, come from behind victory, uh, another shutout in the third quarter. And it, it has been uh, a really exciting season uh, going back and forth. And uh, we'll see what we're doing, and, and uh, we'll talk about the win. We'll have uh, Nick Holmes and... Uh TJ Inman in. Uh TJ, how are you today? I'm uh, doing great, Sammy. Thanks again for having me on. Uh no problem. Anytime. Uh it was a exciting win yesterday. I uh, kind of the wheels yes. kind of fell off the bus there with uh about 5 minutes to go in the first half. But again, uh whether it's the Swedish fish or some type of magic or whatever coaching is going on in the locker room at halftime it seems to be working. Uh Indiana went on a 21-0 run uh to take control of that game.
2: Yeah, I I'm not like you said, we we don't know what's happening at halftime, but there is no doubt that uh right now the strong point of this team is the third quarter. Um whatever's happening in the locker room is is really working through three games. I know that you don't want to turn it into a habit of I wouldn't say they're starting slow but I would say uh the first half have tended to kind of deteriorate like you said the wheels fell off the bus there uh towards the end of that first half and that's just kind of a theme I mean they they kind of dragged down a bit against the FIU in the first half after a you know okay start um the second quarter against Southern Illinois was really bad I mean, the first half overall was bad in that one. But, uh, you know, the third quarter so far have been really good. If you just take the third quarter of those three games, IU looks like a you know a top ten team just during those third quarters. But as we know, it's not a 15-minute football game. It's a 60-minute football game. So I think the, one of the keys for next week as we move forward is going to be kind of turning that uh, third quarter or second half effort into a total 60 minute effort. Um, because that, that's, what's a little bit frustrating is you see how this defense played in that second half still gave up some yards, but it was miles better than the first half. You see that they're capable of it and it just makes those first halves all the more frustrating, but overall um IU beat a, a good football team. Uh, Western Kentucky is probably going to win nine or ten games this year. So it, it's a really big win, undoubtedly the biggest win that they've had this season. Um yeah, you know, 3-0 is, is nothing to sneeze at, and there's a lot of Big Ten teams that would trade places with IU right now.
0: Yeah, 3-0. It's their first 3-0 start uh, since 2010, uh, which was Bill Lynch's final year. Um they haven't started 4-0 since 1990, uh, so it, it was a big win. Uh, the crowd, there was a, a good crowd. It wasn't a great crowd, uh, but it was a good crowd on a perfect Saturday. Um, the Ooh. first half, Nick, uh, let's go over that first half a little bit. Uh, we were both there. Uh, what did you see that was good, and what did you see that you know was not so good?
3: You know, I think people were quick to criticize the defense even before they had really – had that uh, that short struggle right before halftime. You know, they were it was only fourteen at seven to seven at one point and uh people were ready, you know, to jump back on the, the defense stinks bus. But uh, you know, um it it wasn't a great it wasn't a great first half. But if it weren't for those two late drives of seventy five yards, three plays and two plays, um it wasn't it wasn't a terrible half. Um you know there's there was a little frustration uh, relating to maybe the, the IU's offensive drive sputtering um, once they got within field goal range. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that
3: was that was that was an issue. Um, but you know, it, like you guys just mentioned, that it's that third quarter. Um, both you and I, Sammy, we were joking with about 20 seconds in the uh, quarter. I said, "Please, can we just make it out of this quarter without without a?" without WKU scoring. And about that time, Manjiri got his big mitts up on the uh, field goal and kept that streak going.
0: Yeah, that was, you know, like I said, it was that third quarter uh, mojo they had going that they looked like it, it was a pretty, I, I think it was a short field goal attempt. It was probably around 40 yards, and Manjuri blocked it. And he blocked it pretty solidly because you could hear it through the windows uh, <laughs> uh, up in the press box uh but yeah that first quarter the offense kind of you know other than Mitchell Page's 91 yard uh punt return which was it's great to see that they had, punt uh, you know some big big explosion plays uh on special teams uh, i it, it's curious to see maybe they move Mitchell Page also onto the kickoff return team game uh to kind of get that going uh but other than that you know they had the the broken play to Ricky Jones that went for a touchdown but that off the Indiana offense really struggled in the first half. Uh Sudfeld killed the scoring drive when he ran with the ball and it and it took a funky bounce off his hip and he fumbled it uh away. Uh they he skipped a pass in. I know Sudfeld's numbers were pretty good. You know, twenty I think he was uh twenty for twenty seven for three hundred and fifty five yes. yards and three touchdowns. Which is they're outstanding numbers, but there are plays you know, inside the play that he missed, there was a, a fourth and five to Simi Cobbs, who was open and he bounces the throw. Whether Simi ran the the, the route a little too long is, is anybody's guess, but um, he bounced that throw in there. It's a throw that they have to make. Um, there was another fourth down play where he threw it over the head. I forgot who the receiver was, but he threw it out of bounds over the head of the receiver. I think it was think one it was of the Howard. running backs, but it, it was Howard. Yeah. Um, And it could have been a a pass interference call, but he threw it so far over that they ruled it uncatchable. And then there was another play, it might have been the play before, where it was to Casaro fade in the end zone. And, uh, you know, he just overthrew that and and missed a wide-open guy across the middle. So, you know, Sudfeld, he was very solid. And I don't want to, you know, people have said I've been picking on him. But, you know, his expectations are so high that he's got to be able to make those reads and check down. He did a better job of checking down the tight ends and, and um, running backs yesterday, but uh, he can't just lock in on a guy and he has to make the throws. Even though you know, I think he got crushed on one of those throws, uh, but he's got to make that that five yard throw to Cobb's. But he made throws when they needed it. That uh, there was a third and nine on that final drive uh, to I think it was it was Michael Co- it was one of the tight ends. Um, Corsaro down there to get the first I think down. Uh, that was huge.
3: You know, I I pointed out. I'm getting ready to post a piece in a little bit. And you know, for the second streak, we he's done a really good job of of uh, dispersing the ball between multiple receivers. He got nine guys involved in the passing game. All four tight ends caught a reception. Uh, I think for a total of it was like maybe six receptions for 92 yards. I'd have to go back and redo the math. But I think that you know. Says a lot about, you know, the depth of this group. Yeah, we may not have one superstar, although Ricky Jones is looking pretty good so far the first three weeks. But I, I think that right there kind of shows his development and the fact that he is comfortable um, going through his progressions, finding different guys that maybe he hadn't targeted in years past.
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah, thought, I, mean, that, uh, I thought that Nate. I thought Nate had a. Um, uneven first half. There were certainly parts of it that were very good, but I think he'd be the first to tell you that uh, he was a part of them leaving some points on the board in the first half. Uh, you, you went through and mentioned what some of those things were. Um, the second half, I thought he was probably about as good as you could expect. Um, he'll probably play a better half at some point this year, but that was Considering what IU needed from him yesterday to get the win in the second half, I thought that uh, I thought that he was very efficient. Uh, I thought his decision-making in the second half was really good. Uh, like you said, Nick, uh, the ball distribution, very good. Uh, I love the way that they're using the tight ends. I hope that that continues and maybe even increases some because I think those guys are proving to be, number one, very sure-handed. Number two, uh, the offense is good at getting them into open spaces, and number three, they're doing a pretty good job of getting yards after the catch on kind of uh, safe, say safe passes. Uh, a lot of the throws that are being made to the tight ends are of the five to ten yard variety, where the tight end is able to kind of pick up another five to ten yards afterwards, just by turning and and rumbling. I guess would be the best way to describe what most of them do. Uh, especially Cooper and, and Friend and Corsaro, those guys are tough to bring down in the open field. So I, I hope that that continues. But um, I, I was very impressed with the wide receivers yesterday. I can't really think of too many mistakes they made. Um, the only one that really stands out to me would be uh, Semi Cobbs did not come back for that fourth down pass as much as I'd like. Uh, I thought that he kind of just sat, which... I mean, that that play was on Sudfeld. I mean, that was a short-arm throw, but I I thought Cobbs could have come back a little bit better for that. But I I don't know. Like you said, Sammy, uh, that he could have run the route exactly as he was supposed to and been exactly where he was supposed to be. Who knows? Um, But overall, the wide receivers, I thought, played a tremendous game. The tight ends played a really good game. And since we're talking about the offense, I'll talk about the running game, which was um, tremendous. I mean, uh, Jordan Howard now leads the nation in rushing, which uh, not per game average, but total. I think that Leonard Fournette is probably, probably going to catch him once he plays the same number of games. But uh, Howard is extremely impressive. We had high expectations for him coming in. And I would say that it's safe to, at least for me, he has met those expectations and then exceeded them greatly. I mean, he, He's such a hard runner um, really delivers punishment to anybody that's trying to bring him down. Um, I've been really impressed with him. And Divine. Redding, I, I thought the Redding had a bit of a rough first half. I don't think he played very well. Uh, but the second half, he did a really good job of chipping in. He got a couple of runs around to the outside where he got the edge. So I thought Redding ended up having a nice game. And the rushing attack um, just did a tremendous job of moving the chains, picking up big chunks of yardage, and on that final drive, when it was pretty obvious to every IU fan that we can't get the ball back to Western Kentucky because bad things will happen, um, the rushing attack just made sure that the Hilltoppers are not going to get the ball back, and this game's over. And it it was really impressive. And, uh, you know, when we were talking about the first half, one of the things that... I think needs to be said is that the offense did not help the defense out in the first half. Um, There were a lot of kind of quick drives by IU to put that defense back out onto the field. And I thought in the second half they did a much better job of controlling the tempo, controlling the time of possession. I don't have it in front of me, but I'd be willing to bet that IU had the ball quite a bit more in the second half than they did in the first half. And that that really helps the defense – Number one, stay fresh. Number two, they can't give up yards if they're not on the field. Um, There's no doubt the defense played better, but the offense did its part, and we talked about it in the pregame, of controlling the tempo, and I was really happy to see that in the second half. Great play calling, in my opinion, and great execution by the offense to just keep that ball and keep the Western Kentucky offense where they can't hurt you.
3: You're you're exactly spot on about the um, time of possession in that in that third and fourth quarter. But most notably to me, as I was going through the stats last night, and you probably noticed this too, Sammy, West Kentucky only had one possession in that fourth quarter. And, yeah. you know, um, IU got the ball late in the third. They didn't score on that next possession, um, but they still had it for over five minutes. West Kentucky got the ball back, went down, and scored seven. And, you know, what teams have done to us in the past, they ran the ball, they ran the clock down, and we never got another shot to uh, put more points up on the board, and I loved seeing that last night um, from just a, from a development of this program standpoint, the fact that they were able to do that, melt the clock away, never even get Western Kentucky another chance.
0: Yeah, that was something, you know, I, I've only been uh, watching IU football now for uh, probably since 2002, uh, being from New York, but that was the first time where They actually in a one possession game. You weren't sitting sitting there going, uh, holding your breath and waiting for a defense to stop, or you know waiting for that offense to score. Uh, So it was nice to see the offense grind it out, get down inside, you know, the goal line, and get those big first downs and and just run out the clock. I mean, if Wilson alluded in in the uh, post game presser presser, that they were trying to score, they didn't go conservative. Uh, The strength was the running game, and that's what they stuck to. And it was one of our keys to the game as well. Uh, I think IU ran the ball, uh, the stats say, 59 times for 295 yards. Um, it, it, outstanding job by Jordan Howard, uh, who Leonard Fournette, if he plays 12 games, is going to catch up to him just because he's a, a beast as well. Um, but, you know, Jordan Howard, he's not Tevin Coleman. And that's fine uh, because he's mm-hmm. av- he averaged six and a half yards uh, carried last night. And it was just grind it out, grind it out, get first downs. And it's something, you know, we said there might be more of a power run game. Well, that's it. The strength lies in the offensive line in that running game. And you saw the offense. The offense that IU needs to have is what they did in that final drive. So, you know, six-yard run, five-yard run, six-yard run, play-action pass for 12 yards. Uh, and if they do that, they'll be just fine. Um, and that it was very encouraging to see them grind out that clock at the end of the game there.
2: Yeah. Uh, does anybody want to talk about uh, the defensive hero of the game, the guy that really turned things around, uh, Jonathan Crawford? I mean, we can talk about his potential, which is sky high, but um, I don't know, you know, we can, Nick, if you want to talk about, uh, if about just what, Jonathan Crawford was able to do with those two interceptions to, to turn this game around and what a playmaker um, could mean potentially for this
0: value defense the
2: rest of the season. Yeah, before
0: you start, Nick, I wish we had, you know, a heads up on how good this guy would be. You know, if somebody <laughs> would just text us every so often about Jonathan Crawford, I mean, we would have known. Um Anyway, you know, Lyndon, you're right, TJ. Lyndon did point it, uh, point it out to us, and, and absolutely. he was the star of the defense there. So, thank you, Lyndon, for, for giving us a heads up on uh, Crawford and Hale. Uh, Nick, go ahead with your answer.
3: You know, you're absolutely right. We needed a ball hawk in the secondary, and uh, Jamel Cook shined last week, and Jonathan, Jonathan Crawford has, has shined in every game so far. He's I don't know how many tackles he has on the season, but he's been in on a lot of plays He's broken up some passes, and then yesterday, like you said, um, back-to-back West Kentucky plays, he picks them <laughs> off. And both times led to touchdowns. So on three consecutive possessions out of the gate in the second half, 21 points. Uh, he had that first touchdown, two picks, two more touchdowns, and that really turned the tide of the game in, in the favor of the Hoosiers. Um, he's only a freshman, so who knows what to expect over the next couple of years once he starts developing even more uh, physically and his football IQ continues to grow as he gets more comfortable in this uh, defensive scheme. But, yeah, it's it's really exciting considering the amount of turmoil that we had in the secondary with guys graduating, guys transferring or leaving early, and guys getting kicked off the team for um, unmentionable, illegal um, actions. It's just nice to have players step up and play at a level that, even no matter how much Lyndon was telling us, I wasn't expecting quite this big of an impact this fast.
2: No, no, I don't yeah, think anybody no. could have expected the, the, uh, the game changing ability that Jonathan Crawford has brought. I think that we were all impressed by the way that he physically looks. I mean, he looks like a big time D one safety. Uh, and I think we're all impressed by his athleticism. but I, I'm impressed by his playmaking instincts. Um, yeah, and Lyndon mentioned that to us was the instincts that he has, and it's obvious. I mean, he knows he knows where to be. He's got a nose for the ball, and I think what separates him from what we've seen sometimes from IU secondaries in the past, uh, he gets in position and then he makes the play, um, whether it's a tackle or catching the ball, and that that second interception, I mean, that was. That was just being in the right place and Dowdy making a mistake, maybe rattled by his first pick, or just forcing it because of IU's offense being as successful as it was at that time. Um, but that that was just a good read by Crawford, and then all he had to do was catch it. The first one that was a good read, really good athleticism, and then a really good catch. Um, so, and it, I mean, that took that occurred at. What the 15 or something like that that really took points straight off the board from Western Kentucky because there's no doubt in my mind that they were going to score
0: that drive if, if IU didn't force that turnover. Um, yeah, I think they, that that was my uh, turning point of the game there, TJ. I believe that yeah, they were yeah. they threw the ball from about the 26 and he picked it yeah. off at the three. Uh, they they looked like they're going to go in and, and then re increase that lead to 10 points. Uh, I think it was 31.28 at the time, or, or something along those lines. Um, yeah, thir- it was uh, it was 28.24. Um, okay. Something something like that. But they were going to go up and increase their leader or, or get it back, and it just really flipped the script. It made uh, Dowdy look human uh, after being superhuman the whole day and maybe it it put a little belief into these DBs who got torched early. And uh, what Wilson said and what we also said in our keys to the game was, you know, play the next play because this team is good. They're a very, very good offensive team. And maybe people still don't realize it uh, because, look, they gave up 600 and something, but this offense was awesome. Um, And so it's play the next play, and they did that, and they came back and and got – uh, two big picks on two uh, plays in a row and got 14 points out of it. So um, they started three true freshmen uh, in the secondary IU did, and you have a six-year quarterback. So you got to cut these guys a little bit of slack, uh, but, you know, they rebounded nicely and, and had that, that third-quarter uh, magic going.
3: You're, yeah, uh, you're and exactly, I, Go ahead, Nick. I was going to say you're exactly right. Coach, uh, Coach Wilson said after the game, You know, in this day and age of offenses, you're going to give up points.
1: You're going to give up
3: yards. And uh, it all comes down to can you make the big play when you need the big play? And this is the third week in a row that we've had um, a true freshman defensive back make a big play when it mattered most. Now, you can say that the Southern Illinois tight end dropped the two-point conversion. That's neither here nor there. Um, you know, Jamel Cook made the play last week, Crawford made both plays this week, you're not going to keep teams from moving the ball on you, at least not yet. Um, it's just all about taking advantage of of, of opportunities, um, whether the team puts the ball on the ground, makes a poor throw. Last weekend they had uh, three turnovers, and we scored 21 points off of those, or 20 points off of those turnovers. So they're not going to be perfect. I think it's just all about creating opportunities for our offense to cash in.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, I and think look, that's a if good, point. Told, good point. If somebody told us at the beginning of the year that IU would hold Western Kentucky to 35 points, I think everybody would sign up for it. Um, mm-hmm. yep. Th- that's the the bottom line. Um, so start
2: 2-0. Yeah, yeah, I don't think uh, or I sorry, think it's 3-0. Too, yeah, I think it's too so early to say that this can be a kind of a you know, cliché is to bend and don't break defense Um, I mean I I don't think we can say that because they are breaking quite often still Um, and I think the biggest thing that they're going to want to focus on is limiting those big plays because I what that does is it one prevents the number of times that the offense the opposing offense can mess up I mean it's really hard Mm -hmm. for teams at any level especially at college when an offense isn't really good it's hard for them to sustain drives over an extended period of time and if you give up a big play through a busted coverage or poor tackling or whatever if you give up a big scoring play obviously they don't have to worry about sustaining drives but two it takes away your opportunities to make those plays that can be game changers like forcing turnovers um so i i think it's it's still early to say they're a but don't break defense which we'd all take happily if they ended up into that um but i do think that you're starting to see that this defense while they are still giving up points they all are still giving up yardage this defense it appears has more of a, a more of an ability than we've seen in the past to make those big plays like interceptions turned into scores or forcing fumbles uh um, um, yeah, you know, And if that can continue, I think it's a real positive just looking at the rest of the schedule because if this offense stays healthy, um, which there's no reason to think that they won't, if the offense stays healthy and continues to execute like they are, I really like I use chances against the offense we're going against because I've watched a lot of them. You guys have watched a lot of them. Uh, there's not a ton of great offenses left on IU's schedule. There's some, but there's not a ton of them. And I think that there are a lot of opportunities that IU has set themselves up for with this 3-0
0: start. Yeah, and, and, you know, the most important thing is is 3-0. We all read that article last week where IU was 2-0 and had the smallest margin of victory. Uh, But to to quote Urban Meyer, IU is 3-0 with a chance to go 4-0. And that's all that matters. Um, and you know, coaches will go back and look on tape and clean things up. And they'll have to get past this win and not overlook uh, Wake Forest, who's you know didn't look superly impressive against Army um, and, and lost to a Syracuse team who lost their starting quarterback. Uh, but you know, it's still a road te- uh, road game against a Power Five team and a game that oh, yeah. IU needs to get. You have to start the season 4-0 and when you have the chance to. Uh, and then you could start, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but then you could start talking about Ohio State October 3rd. And then you could start getting on the Dan Dockage bandwagon of getting game day to Bloomington. Uh, and then you could start, you know, then the dreams start, start happening. So uh, they'll have their work cut out for them against a good uh, Wake Forest defense, uh, it might not be the best way for team uh but that defense will present some challenges uh they're 3 and 0 for the first time since 2010 uh chance to go 4 and 0 for the first time since 1990 so they're i use doing things that they haven't done um you know it's been 5 years since they've been 3 and 0 and it's been you know 20 almost 25 years uh since they've been 4 and 0 so they're doing things that haven't been done in a while and fans, can, can, uh, should be should be excited. Uh, so can we'll I just, be back on when. Yeah, go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, um, you know, I think I think a lot of people were really frustrated after Week One's close victory over Southern Illinois, and even last week's win left a lot to be desired for some fans. But I don't think you guys can agree or disagree with me on this. I don't think IU is as comfortable. In the situation they were, that they were in yesterday, if it weren't for those two games prior to begin the season,
0: agreed. No, you're exactly yeah. right, Nick. And that, these, are, I, I, I keep telling myself, I tell, I probably have told you guys, these are games that Indiana loses in the past. Uh, oh, no Southern doubt. Illinois. You know, down 20 or 11 points at halftime against Southern Illinois, IU loses that game in the past. Down another 11 points to think at half to FIU. They're losing down again at halftime. Big at Western Kentucky. I mean, it could easily be an 0-3 start, um, but yeah. you got to take something. They've won these games, and maybe now that they're a more senior team um, with more veteran players and maturity, and, and Coach Wilson keeps banging that the message home that they have absolute buy-in. The guys they have now are their guys, um, and, and it's their team, and it's full steam ahead. So. You know, you could nitpick all you want about how, you know, bad the defense looked or, you know, how the, the small the winning margin is. Uh, the bottom line is they're 3-0 and and they're halfway to a bowl game right now with, uh, with nine games to play. So you're through the quarter of the season. Your first quarter is uh, you pass the test. Now you move on to the second quarter uh, where you have, Wake Forest, Ohio State, and Penn State, and we'll see what they do uh, through those first six games. Um, If they win at Wake Forest, there's a very good chance that they could get, you know, get really rolling. So, uh, guys, thanks for jumping on on a Sunday. Uh, Enjoy the rest of the night of NFL football. Um, Tevin scored his first touchdown today, but was, I think, limited in the second half with an injury. Uh, we'll see you next week, uh, or we'll talk to you Wednesday to preview Wake Forest. Uh, thanks for jumping on, uh, Nick and TJ. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks a lot. Things aren't perfect, but uh, this
2: is a lot of fun, and three and zero is it's a lot better than anything else they could be right now.
0: <laughs> it's sure better than zero and three, um, or one and two, or two and one. Uh, but anyway, we'll be back Wednesday. Uh, morning with our pregame show for uh, Wake Forest. Uh, download it. Keep coming back to com. We have lots of wrap-up pieces still to come. We have a lot of preview pieces for Wake Forest. And uh, we'll see you on Wednesday. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.